Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. Woo, let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. Lord, we never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person and that everybody under the sound of my voice gets something out of the message today that they can use and make their lives better. And God, I don't mean years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this word and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's say our Bible confession, family. We're going to read that together. The Word of God is our manual for living. Let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable, it is the truth, it is divine, it is the word of God, and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, family, the last time we were together in this particular format, we were in a different location. And while we were in that different location, I made a statement. I said, listen, I want to invite you all into a conversation that's already in progress. And we talked about condemnation. We talked about it because it fit. If you want your family to be all that God desires for it to be, you have to deal with the condemnation that dwells within it. We're not going to go back and rehash much of what we taught in that other location. It fits in exactly with what you've already learned. So we may reference it, but if you want the, the, the details behind it, please go ahead and it's available virtually. Go ahead and, and you can listen to it as much as you want. Where are we here at this campus? Well, as you know, we've been going through our vision and we're on the re-engage portion. And it says this, this is the goal. Re-engage life regardless of fear or failure and re-engage it without condemnation, knowing that if you fall in the process, your risen king has empowered you to get up. And we've been focusing in there on condemnation. And for condemnation, we've highlighted what I call an area of concern, condemnation gateway. Condemnation is a very unhealthy pit. And it's an unhealthy pit that, guess what? You, you just, you don't want to find yourself there. Look at this next image. Condemnation is a pit that has a gateway, a door, an entry point. And that entry point, that door, if you make the decision to walk in, it's going to only make your life worse. The best thing you can do to avoid 
going into condemnation is to see it. To see the door up front, to see the threshold up front. And frankly, if you see the threshold up front, the best way is to never go in there. Never cross the threshold. Never give condemnation an opportunity to take root. By the way, if you at some point realize that, you know what, I am already in condemnation, get your behind out. Turn around and walk back out the door. Condemnation. That gateway is an area of concern that we've already spoke about. So what is next in our discussion? Notice. One area of caution we've discussed is a condemnation gateway. Three other items for discussion, and we will tackle those in this, in this session. One is your second area of caution. Then we're going to hit on a notable insight. And we have words, a word to parents or guardians. Those final two, those are items that just birthed in my spirit while I prepared to come and speak with you today. And instead of putting them in a different context, we're going to talk about them today. So where do, we, where do we pick up? Last time we left off family, we were in Luke chapter 15, where Jesus tells the parable, what some call the parable of the lost son or simply the prodigal son. It is the third of three parables that he tells. And he tells it to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. It goes like this. Notice some of the words there in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through, 11 through 17, uh, and will be in other parts of this chapter as well, are bolded. It's because we're going to kind of puddle jump through it. Everything is there if you want to read it for yourself. We've already discussed it, so really we just need the highlights. Here we go. Jesus said in his parable, there was a man who had two sons. The youngest son said, Daddy, give me my stuff. The stuff that you got that I'm going to get one day, go ahead and give it to me. So what did the Bible say? Jesus says, so the father divided his wealth between his two sons. This younger son takes off. He takes off and he's out there doing all the stuff that he wants to do. And guess what happens? He spent everything he had. He ended up hungry and needed more money. Thought to himself, what the heck am I doing? Made the decision, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back to my daddy because I have behaved foolishly. One version says he came to himself. Going to verse 18. Go one more. He said he was going to leave and go back to his father. And when he was coming back, starting here at verse 20, while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and felt sorry for him. So he ran to him and hugged and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned. I have done wrong. 
I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Pause. Right there, that father has a big temptation in front of him. He has the bait of becoming a condemner. Say condemner. If he were to take that bait, knowing how this boy left, knowing that he has to come back, his daddy would be giving him a big dose of, I told you so. A big dose of, I'm going to make you work to get back in the family. A big dose of, I'm going to judge you harshly for what you've done, and it's not going to be so easy to get back in here. This is the temptation that faces the father. Now, the father doesn't take that low road, though. Instead, what does he do? The Bible says he turns to his servants, not even acknowledging what his boy is saying. His boy is saying, I'm not worthy. Daddy, I know I shouldn't be here. Not even acknowledging that. What does he do? Turn to the servants and say, go to the house. Find the best clothes you can. Bring them for my boy. Go to the house. Find a ring and put it on his finger when you get back. Go to the house. Best sandals in the place. Put them on his feet. The daddy says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to celebrate the fact that he's returned, not punish him for it. The father is not being a condemner. The father does not want to rehearse the wrongs. The father just wants to celebrate the right. What the father is doing aligns so well with our mantra, mantra of God does not want you in condemnation. Condemnation, loved ones, is that thing, that state that puts you in guilt, pity, shame, and regret. That is not God's will for you. The father is not putting the son in condemnation. But guess what? The parable also shares with us the reaction of another person in the house, the older son or in the case of the younger son, his older brother. Now, the older brother has a different view. Go one more. And that brings us to an area, our second area of caution. Family, beware of condemners in your midst. Condemners. The father welcoming the son back home. But guess what? There's a condemner in the house. How often has that been the case? This boy is saying, Daddy, how can you forgive him for because of everything that he's done? You know what he's done. Everything that he said, you know what he said. How can you possibly forgive him for that? And the father does. How often has that been the case? It may have been the case with you. How often has God the father forgiven someone, 
but yet someone else in the house refused to. How often has that happened? Forgiven by God, but condemned at home. Forgiven by God, but condemned at church. Come on, somebody. Forgiven by God, but condemned at work. Forgiven by God, but condemned among your friends. You need to beware of condemners in your midst because as you make the decision that you're going to re-engage life and you're going to start to rebuild your life, you may be in the, in the vicinity of people who are relationally close but still condemn you. And for people that are relationally close, they can get into places that other people can't get into your heart. And as they continue to condemn you, you will struggle to be everything that God called you to be. As you're trying to drop condemnation's weight, they don't want you to do that. Let's look at this older son's response. Here we go. Luke 15, verses 25 through 32. Now the oldest son, he was out in the field when all this was going down. And he heard the sound of music and dancing. And he called one of the servants. He said, what's all this? He out there working. On the way back, all he hears, let's groove tonight. Hey, share the spice of life. No, 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 he got, and, and he can't help it. He bounced. We can boogie down. Now, you know, he's hearing, he's hearing the bass pumping. They didn't have speakers then, but they was getting down. He's like, what is all this bass I'm hearing? What's all these instruments and all this clapping? What's all this? Ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh. He's hearing it. It says, he said, what meaneth this? So it wasn't just a small celebration. They was, they was throwing down. They said, your daddy throwing a party because he happy. Because your brother is back. Verse 28, the older son was angry and would not go into the party. He didn't want to go in. His father tried to get him in by begging. Didn't work. Instead of going in, this is what he said to his father. Look, for all these years, I've worked like a slave for you. I've always done what you told me to do, and you never gave me even a young goat. You never, you never bought me a platter. You never catered for me. You never got the DJ for me. You never gave me even a goat for a party with my friends. But then this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours comes home after wasting your money on prostitutes. Pause. How did he know that? 
We're going to come back to that. How did he know that? Because recall, early on when we read it in full the other week, it says that he wasted, the younger son wasted his living on wild partying and prostitutes, right? Just having a good time out there. But this, then this son of yours comes home after wasting your money on prostitutes, and you kill the best calf for him. His father said the same thing that he told his servants. Listen, I'm happy because your younger brother was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost, and now he's found. Realize here that people call this the parable of the lost son, but the father only has an exchange. At the beginning of the parable, the younger son is lost. At the end of the parable, the older one is lost. One is lost when he left, found when he came back. One always present, but present and still lost. That's a story for another day. But daddy, after all this boy has done, you got the nerve to forgive him. Specifically, realize that his anger is at the father for forgiving them, forgiving him. Sometimes people will look at a person that God has forgiven and their life is turning out pretty well and they get mad at God. They become a condemner, angry at God. How can you bless them for what they did? How can you bless them for what they said? How can you bless them for what they, mad at the father because the father chooses to bless. This older son is a condemner. Family, realize this. Not everybody will celebrate your change of, change of mind. Not everybody will celebrate your change of heart. Not everybody will celebrate your change of direction. He refuses to celebrate the fact that his brother has come back to get it right. Not everybody's gonna celebrate you when you wanna get it right. There are people that would justify reasons as to why you should be roasted over the flames of your past. And they're gonna hold their guns to it. They don't care how much right you're trying to do. In their minds, you deserve to be condemned and they want to hold you to it. They want to take that condemnation weight and put it on your shoulders and you better not put it down. You better keep carrying it. No, should be your response. God has not called you to carry condemnation. And you shouldn't. Stop carrying it. If there is a condemner in your life, your answer is no. I don't care their reason. It's no. When we talk about condemnation, there are two basic groupings of people. Either you are the one being condemned or you are the condemner. Notice this image. Oddly enough, you can be both. But 
you are at least one or the other. If you are being condemned, for weeks we've talked about this, and we're not going to rehash that a whole bunch today. Put that condemnation weight down. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What about if you are the condemner, though, which is our highlight word for today, in case you didn't know. If you are a condemner, my instruction to you is let it go. Let go what? Let go to hate and the unforgiveness. Let it go. And let it go for you. Not the other person, for you. Let go to hate for you, not them. Let go of the unforgiveness for you, not them. As long as you hold on to it, you will remain a condemner. And as long as you remain a condemner, your heart will stay locked up and it will never be able to fully receive the way it should. Let it go and receive love like you should. Let it go and let receive friendship like you should. Let it go and receive the attention that others are trying to give you genuinely like it should. You should not be walking this earth and be a condemner because of what they did back then, because of what they said back then. You shouldn't be a condemner. But we got more to say about this condemner thing. What do I want to tell you? When it comes to condemners, Give my next one. Just give my next one. Let's just go here. When, when we were in, a dip, in the other location, in oh, it's Tampa, we taught on this. So we're going to highlight this. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus heals a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. Notice this. Starting in verse 10 and just puddle jumping through, it was a woman that had this issue for 18 years. She was bent over and couldn't even raise herself up. Jesus came along and said, you know what? Woman, be loosed. Be loosed from your infirmity. Next verses. But the ruler of the synagogue, everybody say but. Mm answered with indignation because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. He said, there are six days to do work. If you want to heal people, Jesus, do it on those days. Don't heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said, hypocrite. You mean to tell me that on the Sabbath, you will take your ox or donkey to get water and relieve them of their thirst and not even want me to heal a child of Abraham? Hypocrite. Question for you, family. This synagogue ruler, what is his stated issue? What is his issue with what Jesus did? Talk to me. I need somebody to... He did it on the Sabbath. In other words, 
it wasn't the healing. It wasn't the fact that the woman got healed. It was when she got healed. Trademark of a condemner. There are people, follow me close. There are people who, quite frankly, will give you the indication that they want you free from your bondage, but there's a caveat. They don't mind you being free as long as you get free on their timetable. They don't mind you being free as long as you be free when they deem you should be free. Yeah, you can be free of this condemnation after you felt the same pain I felt. You can be free of this condemnation after you suffered like I've suffered. You can be free from this condemnation after you've paid your dues. Jesus didn't put you on no timetable to be free from condemnation. The moment you want to be free from condemnation, put it down. You can be free right now. His issue is the time he healed. Jesus, though, being Jesus, put the right word on it. Hypocrite. What's a hypocrite? Look at this here. A hypocrite is a person who does things they tell others not to do. Or a person who does the opposite of what they profess or preach. Loved ones, condemners often fall in at least one of these two, uh, I'm gonna call them hypocritical ways. They may be in both, but hypocritical people, these condemners, usually have expression in one of two ways. They're either hypocritical in their heart's expression or they're hypocritical in their judgment. A hypocrite. They do things they tell others not to do or a person who does the opposite of what they profess or preach. Go back up to Luke 13 for me. Hypocrite. This man is upset because Jesus healed this woman right here. A condemner will be hypocritical in their heart's expression. Heart's expression, their compassion, their grace, their mercy, their forgiveness, their understanding, their service, their support. Let me put that in practical terms for you. This woman has been bent over for 18 years. It's easy for him to tell her to wait one more day. 
because his behind ain't been over. It's easy for him to say she should wait till Monday, if, if we're going to say Monday is the day after the Sabbath. It's easy for him to say wait because he hasn't been the one with the infirmity for 18 years. He would rather satisfy a need for a livestock animal than to see a person healed. Condemners are often hypocritical in their heart's expression. Let me put it even more practical for you. A, condem a condemner will say, those people over there, that family over there, those folks over there, based on their situation, do not deserve compassion. But turn right around and find themselves in that same situation and say they deserve compassion. Oh, them people, that family, that woman, that man, they don't deserve grace and mercy and forgiveness and support. But turn right around and now you need it. It's a different story. Hypocrite. It's a different story. Everything changes when it's you. Oh, it's different. They don't, need, they don't need our compassion. They don't need our grace. Oh, but it's different when you lose your job. It's different when you lose your house. It's different when your car don't work. It's different when you can't figure out what you want to do in life. It's different when you need help. It's different when you need payment help with your medical bills. It's different. It's different. Oh, it's different when, when, it, oh, when it's your son. It's different when it's your daughter. It's different when it's your mama or your daddy. It's different. Hypocrite. Condemners, people in your circle, maybe even in your house, will condemn you hypocritically because hypocrites and condemners sometimes go, just, they just go hand in hand. I need you to be able to identify a condemner when they come your way. This man has an issue with when she got healed. And you can easily have that issue when you are not the one who needs healing. Go, that, go back down to this image. Condemners can also be hypocritical in their judgment. What do I mean by that? Family, look at this. There are people who want to hold you in condemnation because of your past. When all the time, them same people got a similar, the same, or worse history than yours. The only difference, the only difference, the only difference between them and you is that your history, your dirt, your skeletons are in the public eye and theirs is not. The only difference is that your dirty laundry is out for the world to see 
and their skeleton is still in the closet. Worse yet, sometimes you can have a scenario where their skeleton is not even in the closet. They are so in, their, in your face with their condemnation that they got the nerve to condemn you and it's known that they got dirt. They're hypocritical in their judgment. But you know what I love about Jesus? I love sometimes just how he states, how he say stuff. Notice this. Hypocrites. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, easy to read, Jesus said this. Why do you notice a small piece of dust that is in your friend's eye, but don't notice the big piece of wood that is in your own? Why do you say to your friend, let me take that piece of dust out of your eye? Look at yourself first. You still have that big piece of wood in your own eye. You are a, what does he say? A hypocrite. First take that wood out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to get the dust out of your friend's eye. People will condemn you when they still have their own dirt on display. That is one of the ways that a condemner will hypocritically use his or her judgment. I don't know about you, but I brush condemners off of me. And I want you to do the same. Brush them off. I like to tell them to stop being all up in my business and condemning me, especially if they got dirt on display. Before you come over here condemning me, Deal with your lying first. Deal with your cheating first before you come over here dealing with me. All that hoeing around, take care of that, then come and talk to me. Disrespecting your husband, deal with that, then come holler at me. Abusing your wife, can you handle that before you come talk to me? Not taking care of your kids, come on now, don't, no, go deal with that first. Backbiting, backbiting. Deal with it first. You still cheating on your taxes? Let's, let's, let's not talk to me. Are you, are, are you, are you still disrespecting your mama? I mean, what, 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 what are we doing here? Are you still professing to be heavenly but living like your address is hell? What's up? Get, the, get that big piece of wood out your own eye. First, in country vernacular, sweep around your own front door before you, I'm adding some words here, bring your stank, raggedy, pitiful, condemning broom over here and try to sweep anything.
condemners. Condemners in your circle, they don't have to be from the outside. Remember, this is the older son who is in the house that does not want the younger brother forgiven. You have to beware of condemners in your midst. You're always looking for them exterior and don't stop doing that, but realize you can have somebody relationally close and they still want to condemn you. All right, let's move forward. Give me my next image. Let's talk about this notable insight. Remember I said there were two final bullets that I wanted to talk to you about. Things that God put in my heart while I studied, and I'm not leaving here today before I tell you. I want you to observe something in this parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. Luke 15, verse 28. The older son was angry and would not go into the party, so the father went out and begged him to come in. He's, he's mad. He's, 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 he's angry. Look at verse, 15, verse 11 through 12, though. Way at the beginning, it starts off by saying, Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, give me now the part of your property that I am supposed to receive someday. So the father divided his wealth between who? Between his two sons. Here's what I want to address. Just one stronghold. It can apply to others, but this is the one that God keep, keeps resonating in my spirit. This older son is mad, but because of this situation that he's angry about, he also was blessed. He divided his property between the two sons. It's just that the younger son left. So what's the stronghold I want to address? Because if this is you, realize I am not dismissing your feelings. I am not dismissing your emotions. I am not downplaying the circumstance or the situation. I just want to address the stronghold because such a stronghold can make you a condemner. And you may be walking around as a condemner and not know it. And I want you to let it go. I want you free from it. There are people who say to themselves, they are in a certain situation which is negative or bad, and they tie it to their mother not being there when they grew up, their father not being there when they grew up. They're biological parents putting them up for adoption. Whatever the case may be. And they say to themselves, because my mama wasn't there, 
because my daddy wasn't there, because I was, I was, because I'm adopted, my life is like this. You are holding condemnation against that person, whether it's your mama or your daddy or in the case of adoption, your biological parent or parents. You may not think you are, but you are. And you should let it go. Because it's very possible that the situation that you're angry about is a situation that also has blessed you. Listen. It is easy, it is easy to be in a situation and assume based on what plays in your mind and what your heart wants that if mama would have been there, things would have been different. But there is also just a higher chance that it would not have been. Your mama being in the picture may have been the worst thing for your life. If my daddy were there, I would be in a better place, not necessarily. Realize you were a child potentially when all this went down. Your mama saw a side of your daddy you didn't know. She may have had good reason to not have your daddy in your life. He may have had good reason not to have your mama in your life. They gave me up for adoption. It may have been the best thing for you. You could be angry over a situation where through that situation, God actually made your life better. And for adoption, anyone who was or ever hears this as it relates to adoption, there is something, I'm going to call it rampant. It may be the wrong word, maybe too strong, but there, there are conversations that I'm constantly hearing that people are saying that I can't be happy because I don't really know who my real daddy is. Until I connect with my real parents, I can't really be happy. The nerve. Let me tell you something. If you are adopted, and God has blessed or blessed if they've transitioned you with a good mama and daddy. Don't you dare ever open your mouth because they are not your biological parents and say to those people, they ain't your real mama and daddy. People that didn't raise you, gave you food when you couldn't feed yourself, prayed by your bedside took you to ball games, took you to the doctor, held you when you were ill, clothed you, 
been through with you through every grade. Graduation, buying you cars and stuff. People that then been there for you, caring for you, loving for you, loving you. And here you go because you are adopted and don't know your real mama and that is your real mama and daddy. They may not be your biological, but oh, they very much your real mom and daddy. That condemnation that's in your heart by a circumstance that was, that was done in your mind that's hurtful because they didn't love me. They gave me up for adoption. Why? And God has put you in the hands of two people or a single person that absolutely loves you and cares for you when those people that are your real parents, if you want to say like that, those people who are your real mama and daddy, if you want to say it like that, would not have treated you half as good as these people have. He is angry at the father for wanting to forgive his son when the very thing he's angered about also put money in his pocket. Sometimes we are so angry about something that went on in the past that with just a different perspective, sometimes what happened actually helped you. I know I said one stronghold, but just bear with me because just more things are flooding through my spirit. That divorce hurt at the time. You didn't want her to go. You didn't want him to go. It wasn't your decision. You tried to make it work. You did your part. You know you did. And they left and it hurt. And at the time you were so angry, you had condemnation in your heart. You were a condemner towards that person. But guess what? If somebody who, if they were not you and could just look at your life right now, they may find that when that person left, when he left, when she left, you got stronger. When they left, you decided to go back to school. You got your degree. You got your master's. You got your PhD. When they were there, you would have never started that business. But when they left, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you started that business. You did that and you hold condemnation against the situation, you hold condemnation against God because of what happened to you, well, when you look at it, you can really say from a third-party perspective, oh, baby, in your case, all things work together for the good. My brother, all these things work together for the good. It has made you a better person. It has made you the person you would have never have been had you stayed in that relationship. The best thing for you, the best thing for you was how you are right now. It made you compassionate for others. It made you empathetic for others. It made you an asset to others. In that relationship, you were suppressed. In that relationship, you were held down. 
It's the same thing, that same scenario, flip it over for children. Yeah, mom and daddy didn't work out. And it was hurtful. But if you give that experience to God and look back over your life over time, you will find that God has a way of taking that painful experience and working it out for your good. It'll make you a better person. It'll make you, if you're a boy, make you a better man. If you're a woman, it'll make you a better woman. It's not necessarily the case that because something is hurtful in life that it won't turn around and be a benefit to you. That's your notable insight. He's angry at a situation that from the outside actually benefited him. Next one. What, are, what is my word to parents and guardians? Luke 15, verses 28 through 30. We've already read this, but let's go to straight down to verse 30. Now, this is when this boy is talking to his daddy. He's all mad. And he says, but then this son of yours comes home after wasting your money on prostitutes and you kill the best calf for him. How did he know that? He just coming in from the field. Only thing he knows is the servant said after he heard the music that your daddy having a party because your, your brother back. This tells me that he may have known what his brother was up to the whole time. That the family knew where this boy was the whole time. If we go with that assumption, it also makes sense when the Bible said the father saw him from afar off. Almost like he expected him to be coming over the hill. So what's the word to parents? I believe that the father always knew where this son was. Even when the son was doing things the father did not want them to do. The father kept his eye on him. Sometimes our children, when they get older, they want to leave. And the way they want to leave is not necessarily the way we want them to leave. When they leave, though, you do not dismiss them completely. You should always keep your eye on them. You never let them walk out into the world and disappear from your purview. Now, he didn't go talk to his son. He didn't go out there and help him out of his situation. But I believe he knew the whole time where the boy was. As a parent, you should do the same. Even if you're not, and you should be, but even if you're not talking to your child, 
When that child leaves the home, you should always know where they are and know how they're doing to the best of your ability. Keep a watchful eye on your children. Last image. This all says it better. Things that we've discussed. Area of caution number one, condemnation gateways. We've talked about that already. Today, we've dealt with the last three bullets. Family, I want you to beware of condemners in your midst. Condemners in your midst, there are people that will be hypocritical in their judgment, and they will be hypocritical in their heart's expression. Don't be surprised by it. Just if it comes to your way, put it down. If you are a condemner, let it go. If you are a condemner, free your, free your own heart. Notable insight. Sometimes what angered or hurt you also blessed you. And then this last one, words to parents. We're going to read this one together, but let me read it first. Keep a watchful eye on your young ones who venture out into the world, even or especially the ones who bruised your heart in their rush to leave the home. Let's lead that together. Let's go. Keep a watchful eye on your young ones who venture out into the world, even or especially the ones who bruised your heart in their rush to leave the home. Why did, we leave, why did we read that one together? Because last week, we prayed for the upcoming school year. Right now, and this is, what do you call it up to high school, secondary school? What do you call it? Primary school, secondary school. So we prayed from little bitty babies up to it's going into secondary school, through secondary school. We have parents who have children that are leaving home to go to school, higher education. Some of them may be on their second or third year, but they come home periodically. And when they come home, either leave the first time or come home, the relationship is not as cordial all the time. And as the adult, if you're not careful, you can become a condemner of your own child. If you want to go and you think it's that easy, go on in. Because you want life to teach them a lesson. Don't do that. Believe me, I have children. I understand about life teaching them a lesson, but don't take your eye off of them. Don't give them up to the world. Release them into, into the world, but don't give them up to the world. That's difference.
I believe the father knew where this prodigal son was. Even if your child is not telling you what's right or wrong with them, to the best of your ability, you figure it out. So as you release them, you don't ever let them go. So please bow your heads. God, for parents of our babies who are going to be venturing from home, maybe for the first time, first of all, we pray ministering angels surround them. We pray that this experience for them be positive, that no damage comes to them mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. And physically in any way. We pray that the parents who are releasing these young people are only releasing them, not letting them go. We are not adults who want the world to teach our kids a lesson. Every lesson that they need to know, we can teach them. There are experiences that will help them become the person that they're going to become, but we never are going to offer up our children to the world. Never. we will do our best to keep a watchful eye on them. God, whether they tell us or not, give us favor somehow where somebody going to let us know. Let us know how to pray. Let us know how to support if they need it but don't, won't tell us. Let us know how to get there and comfort them when they think they're all alone. Heal every home, God. I know from experience what it's like to have friction with the very child that you spent your life caring for. Oh, yeah, a parent can get a bruised heart. But it's never bruised, God. Let it never be bruised to the point to where we want to let them go. You bless them to be in our home. You bless us with them. We want to take care of the blessing. As they go away, if it's to school, God, let their minds be sharp. Let the resources they need come to them. Let them find favor with their professors and with the administration. If it's into the military or any other venture, I should say any 
wholesome venture. God, let the same apply. God, let favor come their way and the resources they need come into their hands. Mm, thank you, God. If they have left for some ungodly reason, still send ministering angels into their path, if, more, if not more so. Protect them, God, if not more so. Allow them to be in the position to have there is a parent who has had that bruised heart. And even if just slightly is holding a little resentment for how their child acted, spoke, or behaved before they left. God, we pray that they flush that out and clear it to allow the love of you to come in. Let them realize that it only hurt because they care so much. Thank you, God. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.